Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Evil Mad. <laughs> it's like an alarm is going off, and that's when no, that's how all of our listeners know it's time to have fun. Oh, I alarm like that, Mike. Alarm force. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps as a side money-making thing for the podcast, we could get Chris to mm-hmm. record that and have it go off when a timer goes off on your phone or you got to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Evil man. Evil man. <laughs> Did either of you ever uh, like have in your family house an alarm force or like some sort of alarm where you had the ability to interact with a burglar and have like a conversation with them to scare them away (laughs) did you no but i can't imagine like that technology was ever useful that a burglar was ever really like uh yeah what are you gonna say to him hey what are you doing hey don't you have any respect for me and my possessions Excuse yeah. me, attention, burglar. Yeah, that's right. I know that something is going on. <laughs> <laughs> I am collecting weapons in my safe room right now. Hey, can I ask you a question? How come sometimes in movies, when someone comes home and their home has been broken into, the burglar has taken a dump on the mattress or in a drawer? <laughs> is, that better not be your call sign. Um... Attention, burglar. Yes, that's right. I know there's a burglar in my house. I just want you to know that I am putting a crossbow together. (laughs) Right now, I'm I'm having a beautiful dinner with my wife. Um, But as soon as we finish and pay the bill and uh, maybe have a little make-out sesh in the car, I'm coming right home. You can't blame me. We haven't had the opportunity to go out very often lately with COVID and children, so we've been looking forward to this for quite a while. To be honest, our relationship has been uh, pretty rough going lately. Uh, are, are you still there, Mr. Burger? <laughs> I'm not your therapist. I'm your darn worst nightmare. Well, I I know that, sir, but I have to be honest, I have not met a listener as good as you in my entire life. Any chance you could come back again next week? I miss my calling as a shrink. <laughs> I will give you advice for this TV. <laughs> That must, I guess burglars these days, stealing, like, in the old days, you could steal, yeah, a big stereo system or a TV. Um, you can't really, like, no one has a big, everyone just has, like, a Bluetooth speaker in their darn uh, phone these days, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And TVs are much lighter than they used to be. It's never been better to be a burglar. Yeah. <clears throat> you ever been, is, is the, your... These are the halcyon days for burglars. Lightweight mm. items that they can, you know, stash in their coat pockets. Um, Amazon packages leaning against front doors, all strewn throughout the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, streaming, a- streaming, and podcasts right in your phone, so that they'll always be, you know, they have entertainment while they're doing their burglaring. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, imagine a burglar, you know, in the dead of night, creeping through a window and stealing some stuff, but the entire time they're listening to Reply All. <laughs> 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 they start crying uh, about a, like a touching story on yeah i just i'm one? so bothered that pj left i know there was some bad stuff there but did he really have to leave i don't know and he steals the tv uh you know i feel like we should say we we had some tech troubles today so we've been yeah. trying to record for quite a while and it's extremely hot right now in toronto yeah. and i think we're all going crazy <laughs> We're going bonkers <laughs> from tech, from false starts, and James, you're sweating so heavily. I'm so I, I can hot. See. I, I have to turn, when I record a podcast at my home, I have to turn the air conditioning off because where I record is right next to the mm-hmm. air conditioning unit, mm-hmm. and my God, is it hot in here. I got so mad at my tech, I called up Best Buy, and they go, hello, and I go, I hate robots. I just hate them. <laughs> I can't stand them. <laughs> oh man they said are you a robot sir and i said this call is over (laughs) i and i rolled away you know what i saw on the street the other day right here in toronto a robot Uh, i was was driving down spadina avenue and i'm not even joking i saw a robot a little robot driving down the street and i looked it up later and it's like a little robot that delivers (laughs) meals was it the like pink you, little robot? Yeah. Yeah, I've it seen was, that guy. Yeah. What the hell? There's just little robots going around Toronto now. I got COVID from a robot that was delivering me Thai food. <laughs> <laughs> it just sprayed psst, COVID at you. <laughs> yeah, like it had an aerosol spray head in its mouth. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> <clears throat> we, we wanted to make it as human as possible. Well, yeah. I saw a guy. Here's my <laughs> here's my futuristic uh, thing I saw in Toronto last week. I was walking through the park, and I saw a guy, kind of just like a slobby guy, wearing like sh- old shorts and a ripped up, not a ripped up t-shirt. He was just shorts and a t-shirt, and he was doing something. I thought he was on his phone, but he was actually controlling a drone that was flying around over him. And it's just, you know, that's not the kind of thing you expect to see. You know, are there gu- guys that fly drones up near apartment windows and spy on people? For sure. Probably, right? Yeah. yeah. Good point. <clears throat> you know, Mike, I don't remember if I've told this story. I don't think I have, but I was at a park right by you a few weeks ago, and I, I saw a man, like a white guy, he was about 50, wearing a t-shirt that said, you find it offensive, I find it funny. Like, something kind of like that, like, really in your face. Like, Whoa! Yeah, and he had, you know, just like a typical kind of old, dumpy white guy. And I thought, geez, that's intense. And then I kind of yeah. looked at what else he was doing, and he was pushing what I think was his very elderly, ill father in a wheelchair <laughs> ahead of him. I remember thinking, like, why would you wear that shirt the day you're wheeling your your father around? <laughs> yeah, it a, shirt, maybe on a different day. Was the shirt was he pushing refer- his father around and laughing his ass? Off? <laughs> no, I find it a little bit offensive and a bit much for, to see you caring for your elderly father, sir. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that man finds everything that I find offensive funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that is pretty intense. 
Because I only think a few things are offensive, and they're pretty harsh. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) sure, there's some things, like, yeah, sure, some things are funny, but some things are are harsh. (laughs) You never know who you're going to see in the park near my house. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to say which one it was, so so listeners don't come to your apartment, Michael. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm getting a t-shirt that says, when you guys see a dead body you say ew but i say mm, that is like ice cream to me <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the same thing kind of. <clears throat> oh boy well should we do you want to introduce uh yourself and us wait we've done that haven't we no not this time are you kidding me shit this is the Evil Men podcast. It happens about once a week, and it's a hit already. We've won awards. We've won critically acclaimed by uh, all the podcast journalists throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And people love us. They send us uh, quite intense messages on uh, social media. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Chris Locke. I'm the other one of them, Michael Balazzo. And I'm the third, James Hartnett. The little sir, Matt. Yeah. You're, you're the um, our our correspondent from across the pond. James, That's can you right. say? Can you say uh, you are listening to Evil Men Theater? <laughs> like that. You're listening to Evil Men Theater, brought to you by Dawson's Chips. Enjoy a nice bag of. Oh, I mean crisps. Enjoy a nice bag of beef and cheddar roast beef. Roast duck chips today. <laughs> Put on your galoshes and eat roast beef crisps. Yeah, crisps, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thanks. I, I would once... love to get sponsored by British Chips. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. I had oh, to, I Marks had to say Spencer, that. Marks and Spencer, green onion and gravy crisps. <laughs> they have a fish chip, too. They have, like, prawn cocktail crisps. Oh, yeah. Mmm. Roast lamb and rosemary crisps. Brown sauce crisps. (laughs) Chips and curry crisps by James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the bag of chips is chips and curry and then a little picture of James Bond with his arms crossed. (laughs) Chef James Bond special (laughs) chip brand. (laughs) And it's uh, the Piers Brosnan James Bond on the bag. You know it's the real James Bond crisps when it's Piers Brosnan on the bag. (laughs) 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 Not Sean Connery, Roger Moore, or uh, Timothy Dalton. I don't know why I think that's so. That is funny. Piers Brosnan as James Bond flavored crisps. (laughs) (laughs) I can't stop. Picture Piers Brosnan on the bottom corner of a bag. I made these. I made these crisps myself. (laughs) (laughs) This flavor. This flavor is pussy galore. 
And like Pierce Brosnan, the flavors of the chips are from James Bond movies that he wasn't even in. <laughs> Odd job, Thund- flavor crisps. <laughs> Thunder cheese balls. My name is Pierce Brosnan. I'm Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) I'm Pierce Brosnan, and these are Mrs. Doubtfire flavored crisps. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, and these are Mrs. Doubtfire flavored chips. (laughs) There's a little picture of Harvey Firestein as well. Like, oh my God, I love these crisps. What came first, Jack or Mrs. Doubtfire? Hmm. Because in both those movies, Robin Williams, his character accidentally shows his penis to everybody. You know, he didn't. He oh, does. Hmm. He doesn't. Jack. <laughs> That's the final scene of the movie. As he's <clears throat> lying in his deathbed, he's like, "I bet you guys have been waiting to see this." And then, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Michael, Mrs. Doubtfire came out in '93. Jack came out in '96. Jack, Whoa. before you die, um. Is your penis like a kid or is it like a, a man's? <laughs> that's, yeah, Jack. that's just the last scene fades out yeah. on the penis. Even his dick was like a grown man. <laughs> does he die at the end of Jack? That would be the best. But he's like still a kid in a man's body. He does die at the end of it. And then. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. It's scary. And then it ends with the coroner enters and everyone's sad. And the coroner pulls down the sheet around Jack's penis and he's like he beckons everyone over to uh to take a look. <laughs> and then uh, Salisbury K- Hill plays as the credits roll. Ah. <laughs> uh, I, I and then there's like a bonus scene after the credits where it shows all the kids in class going, "Remember for a while there was like a weird man kid coming to school with us?" <laughs> <laughs> and then it says directed by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Um, Son, I have some sad news to tell you Uh, Remember that man who you went to school with for a bit? (laughs) (laughs) That man who acted like a kid? Well, we just got a phone call from Stanley Kubrick And uh, (laughs) 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 Apparently that man is dead (laughs) <laughs> this accord, like according to the film Jack, any one of us could go to like grade two or three and be like, "I'm a kid." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have the Jack disease. <laughs> the Jack disease. Don't say you got the Jack disease in a room full of kids. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I got the Jack disease. Can I get a milk carton? (laughs) Can I play with a transformer? Well, you know what? All this fun we're having uh, talking about the comedian Robin Williams reminds me of another comedian who is actually (laughs) the focus of today's episode. Of course, I'm talking about the legendary comedian Bob Hope. Oh, yeah. Bobby Hope. Mr. Bob Hope. um, I'll just give a little... Not somebody somebody just, uh, you know, that you would... That would leap to mind as necessarily an evil man for me. Right. Well, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Hmm. Let me just give a little... In case anyone doesn't know who Bob Hope is, here's a little summary of his life. Bob Hope was one of the most popular entertainers of the 20th century who dominated every medium he came across. We're talking stage, you know, vaudeville and Broadway. 
We're talking radio. We're talking film. And, of course, television. Uh, if he were still alive today, it's safe to say he'd probably be the biggest uh, thing on TikTok. You know what I mean? <clears throat> There's an argument to be made that Bob Hope invented modern stand-up comedy as we know it. Uh, but here's today's question. What made Bob Hope so special? And how did he blow it in the end? And why was he so darn horny? We hope to answer these questions today and explore a little bit more in this episode of Evil Men, the podcast Evil Men. I, I like the way you framed that, Michael. Very professional. Well, thank well, you. Can I tell you my impression of Bob Hope as a... I love old comedy, especially the stuff that came from the vaudeville era and yeah. transitioned into radio and TV and all that, movies and all that stuff. Uh I never ever got the sense that Bob Hope was naturally funny. He never got me as like, <laughs> you know how Groucho is like a consistently silly man? Yeah. So that's kind of evil to me. I mean, he definitely didn't have the sort of lovability that a lot of, you know, the image of the clown or like someone like, yeah, Groucho Marx, any sort of beloved, friendly, warm, you know, fool character uh, you know, usually embodied by a comedian that, that people like, someone sympathetic. He was kind mm-hmm. of like Mr. In Charge. He had confidence. He didn't seem to struggle. That wasn't really part of his uh, his persona. Why don't I sort of delve into just like Bob Hope's early life and uh, we'll get to his, uh, his entrance into the world of entertainment. Love it. So, so uh, this is interesting. Did you guys know that Bob Hope... Wasn't even wasn't even born in damn America. He's a damn limey. Bob Hope was born in 1903 in southeast London, England. Uh, he was born not Bob Hope, but Leslie Hope. Oi. Leslie fucking Hope. <laughs> Oi, Leslie, get down from there. <laughs> now I don't want to get down from here. I'm Leslie fucking Hope. I can do what I like. <laughs> He became an East End gangster if he had not left uh, London as a child. <laughs> um, his father was a stonemason, <laughs> so he, he was born so long ago. Bob Hope lived 100 years. He was born in 1903, just after Queen Victoria died. Uh, his father was a stonemason who didn't uh, do very well as a stonemason. His mother was a light opera singer, came from a family of seven children. They were uh, kind of impoverished. When he was, I think, four years old in 1908, they they left England and moved to Cleveland for a new life. Okay. <clears throat> Good boy, England. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> Cleveland rocks. <laughs> um, Bob Hope did not. Now, this is shocking. Bob Hope didn't graduate high school. He uh, he only went to school for a little bit of time. And then he worked, you know, to support his, himself and his big family. He worked a variety of jobs. He was a busker. He was a boxer occasionally. He was a, a lineman, a butcher's assistant. Yes. Um, and, and then there was a moment in the young Bob Hope's life that forever changed him. So in 1921, while assisting one of his brothers in clearing trees for a power company, young Leslie was sitting atop a tree that crashed to the ground and crushed his damn face. And he had to go and have reconstructive surgery, which reshaped his face and gave him the distinctive, <laughs> and some would say handsome look that we associate with Bob Hope. 
Eyes without a face. <laughs> you know what? It honestly, Bob Hope's face does look like a fake face that couldn't have been born naturally. It does seem like a mask. Yeah. I hate to say that, and I'm really sorry to whoever likes his face. You got to admit that aspect about it. It's bonkers. I mean, a lot of it's, people... He, it kind of reminds yeah. me of the Moon Man from the old McDonald's commercials. <laughs> oh, Mac Tonight. <laughs> yeah, Mac Tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he, he's handsome, though. I mean, it, it is a wild face, but he's handsome. Is Great he? Big, I think. Do women, I guess, I guess women and men naturally think that Bob Hope's face is sexy and, and very <laughs> handsome, you know. There he is. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, women, at least, it seems on the record that women found him handsome because he, he certainly went through a lot of them, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, so, after getting his brand new Bob Hope face, he decided he wanted to have a career in show business. You know what I mean? And he started taking <laughs> dance lessons. He got his big break when Mr. Fatty Arbuckle saw him and his friend dancing. <laughs> And Fatty Arbuckle gave them work with a touring troupe called Hurley's Jolly Follies. <laughs> Mike, isn't that how you got your big break? You were dancing dancing around my and a, yeah. with your friend and someone saw you and took you on tour? Absolutely. I mean, it's the way that most uh, comedians first, you know, have their first break, taking dancing lessons and then dancing with their friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was a dancer first, for sure. <laughs> And if so, Fatty Arbuckle is the one that we can thank for Bob Hope. You know, aside from any other good things that Fatty Arbuckle gave the world, he gave us uh, the comedy of Bob Hope. You know what? I am a Fatty Arbuckle fan, but and he's got these. He used to partner up with a young Buster Keaton too, who wasn't doing the deadpan face at the time, and and another guy I forget his name right now, something something. But <clears throat> Fatty Arbuckle. Had a controversial end to his career that we could uh, talk about at Evil Men sometime. Do yes. you guys know about it? Yeah. I know a no. little bit about it, yeah. Yeah. And apparently the, anyway. the family, or like the estate, apparently is still very like litigious. Um, if, you, mm-hmm. if you accuse dead Fatty Arbuckle of doing something. Anyway. So, so we Arb- should say it's rumors. Rumor has it. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, imagine the thrill. You're performing with your friend, dancing, and who's that in the crowd? <laughs> it's Fatty Arbuckle. And then next thing you know, um, you're in this dance troupe. Within a year, Bob Hope had... F- now, this I found this interesting. Bob Hope had formed an act called the Dance Medians um, with someone named George Byrne and a uh, pair of sisters called the Hilton Sisters, mm. who were conjoined twins, who performed a tap dance routine on the vaudeville circuit, and Bob Hope would dance and sing with them, sometimes wearing blackface, um, until his friends mm. advised Hope that he, he should go out on his own and uh, do a solo act. With the blackface or without? <laughs> I mean, in those days, who knows? <laughs> yeah. These, these twins are holding you back. You could be so good just doing blackface by yourself, Bob Hope. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, it sounds almost like um, the conjoined twins uh, element is <laughs> interesting as well. Um, you know, interesting. I don't know what, I don't know what else to say. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's unlike any act I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it was around this time that Leslie finally decided, enough's enough, I'm changing my name. He changed it to the more down-earth, uh, he changed his name to the more down-to-earth Bob, becoming Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. So the 1930s is when Bob Hope really hit his stride. You know, he's big on vaudeville. Nice. After a few years of, you know, uh, really working it with these conjoined twins, and then he goes solo, he's doing big vaudeville shows, uh, he starts performing at elite venues around the country, especially in New York. I wonder if Bob Hope ever said to the conjoined twins, gee, uh, I'd like to snap you in half like a Kit Kat candy bar. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Aren't you glad I did that? (laughs) Sorry, ladies. I bet, knowing what I know about Bob Hope, I bet he totally had sex with both of them in between shows during like a vaudeville run because uh, he, he certainly he certainly liked the ladies. Let's put it that way. Okay, interesting. Do you guys, uh, do you guys got one or two? One <laughs> <laughs> of you sit this way. One of you uh, do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> one big butthole, huh? <laughs> so, so Bob Hope, uh, he's he's doing vaudeville. He's, he's killing it. You know, he's living the dream. He makes his Broadway debut in 1933, um, and he goes on to do a handful of Broadway shows. So he's a you know a Broadway name. Hope's career really takes off when he gets into radio. He starts doing radio in 1934. You know, everyone's like, oh, who's this young guy having sex with these conjoined twins? Let's get him on the radio. Um, He gets his first regular series on NBC uh, in 1937 called The Woodbury Soap Hour. I'm I'm already laughing. And that led to another show the following year called The Pepsodent Show starring Bob Hope, which soon became the top radio show in America making him a household name. Wow. A radio show. Huh. So he's on the radio, and I guess we should talk about how some people consider Bob Hope to be like the the inventor of modern stand-up comedy, for better or worse. He revolutionized comedy by uh, hiring writers to give him material based on you know current events and his, his persona instead of just doing sort of street jokes which had been sort mm-hmm. of in style in vaudeville so, or, so or even street, on the radio. Are street jokes like, you know, hey, uh, a penguin walked into a bar and it tweeted, Basically. Uh, squawked at me or whatever, that kind of stuff? Yeah. Two priests walk into a bar. Two priests walk into a bar and see me with uh, conjoined twins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he, he basically... Um, sorry. Did Chris go? Is Chris still here? No, I'm here. I'm listening. Okay. So his his a show- street joke is like this. Why did the uh, so, say? Uh, why did the banana go to the doctor? Because it wasn't peeling well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So that was sort of stand up comedy before Bob Hope. Yeah, and he had so Roy Rogers is is credited as an influence for Bob Hope, but Bob Hope, Bob Hope really. Uh, took the idea of like using you know what's in the news and current events to do like rapid fire jokes that were sort of based on re- like n- current things happening. And his opening monologue on the Pepsi Dent show became very very popular. Um, and he uh, he wasn't 
he didn't hide the fact that he was using writers, which was also something that made him stand out. He was the first comedian to acknowledge that he had a team of writers behind him. So he would use writers for everything. He was not a very naturally funny guy, as we've discovered. He would even like have writers give him material for if he was, you know, playing golf with a CEO uh, wow. or or meeting a president or something. He required all of his writers, who he didn't pay very well, to submit 20 jokes a day, five days a week, to his home. And if they failed to do this two times in a row, he would fire them without with any, you know, uh, without a second thought. So wow. it was really hard for them to get another job that would pay better if they were I, in his employ. I guess so. Yeah, because he and he would you know call them in in the middle of the night with demands for fresh material. Uh, sort of just kept them on call all the time. It didn't pay them well. And when he did pay them, there's this story that he would fold their paychecks up into paper airplanes and stand on the balcony of his office and throw their paychecks down and they'd have to scramble to find their paychecks and catch them. (laughs) Wow. You know what? This guy was bullied as a kid and it just made him go ballistic. That's what it feels like to me. I like that these writers are writing all his funny interactions. Like he's got to he's got to call like customer yeah. service for Sears, and he wants a couple jokes just to like make the convo go a little better. And then, but it still sounds like he's reading it. <laughs> Sears, broke I just want to and... see anything. <laughs> yeah, he kept all of his jokes, and by the end of his life, he had millions of jokes in a fireproof vault in his Toluca Lake home. <laughs> Really? Yes. Hello, hello, Sears. Uh, this is Bob Hope calling. Uh, I just wanted to find out if uh, the new X5 dishwasher you're selling, uh, if it has a, a a gas tank for all the liquid soap, it will have to be put into it. <laughs> like he's figuring it out as he reads it. <laughs> he's like got a bad joke. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's holding it on a cue card. That's uh, interesting to preserve the jokes in a fireproof vault. I, I imagine, you know, yeah. it, it would be it would be like finding King Tut's tomb to go in there and look through all those zingers. You got all these. Yeah, jokes? it is kind wow. of like Caligula esque to uh, uh, like build a tomb. Uh, to celebrate you, basically. Mm. Imagine, wow! You look at imagine opening that vault and like, oh, here are Bob's Ho- Bob Hope's, you know, famous. Oh, here's all his jokes about Spanish flu. <laughs> and then a poisonous <laughs> snake emerges from the jokes and bites your arm. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's oh. got like booby traps so you can't steal them. <laughs> nice try. All these, yeah, all these jokes we found about Eisenhower are priceless. <laughs> if these ever get into the wrong hands <laughs> so let's get to let's get to how horny Bob Hope was he was a notorious skirt chaser um, throughout his entire life basically until he basically until his body gave out he was out there doing it and having sex with anyone who uh, who, uh, who would do it with him so in 1933 he had a secret marriage to a vaudeville performer named Louise Troxell. But he immediately left her for another vaudeville performer named Dolores Reed. And Dolores Reed would become Bob Hope's, quote, wife for the next 69 years. So he stayed with Dolores for 69 years 
Although a, bi- a biography that came out in 2014 claimed that there was no actual proof that he and Dolores were married, there were no mm-hmm. records of the marriage, no photos, or even a marriage license that ever turned up. So that's out. probably what that's probably what helped him hump like crazy and not have a guilty conscience. Also, yeah, you can't. He knew that their marriage was a sham. Right. <laughs> also, you can't tell me a guy as horny as Bob Hope purportedly is didn't do the sixty-nine thing on purpose. He knew Absolutely. what he was doing when he stayed with her for sixty-nine years. He knew. He knew what he was yeah. doing. All right. That's a. Uh, that's that's well, a wrap, doll. <laughs> that's enough. Ne- that's enough years for my joke. I stay together for the uh, the rudest number there is. Um. <laughs> so his his wife Dolores was a devout Catholic, uh, and mm. together that was weird. They they adopted four children together, so he never had any biological children. Um, I'm not sure if mm. he wasn't able to have children or not, but judging by the number of affairs and the, the amount of sex he had, maybe he maybe he had bad sperm because um, he he certainly had sex with everyone. So. He, from the moment they got married, he and Dolores, he started having endless affairs with showgirls, beauty queens, lesser-known starlets, chorus girls, makeup people, his own, his own publicist, even for a time. Uh, he tended to avoid his famous female co-stars, with the exception of Doris Day. Yeah, huh. I heard about that. It's okay, baby. I can come inside you because I have bad sperm. <laughs> That's the hey, title about, of one of his movies. Hear about don't this. tell Bing. Hear about don't my- tell Bing. I got bad sperm. <laughs> hey Bob, 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 you got bad sperm. <laughs> hey Bob, how do you got all the no babies? It <laughs> sounds like mentally damaged Bing Crosby. <laughs> hey Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Hear about my sperm. It's uh, so dead that there, uh, there's a whole, ce- uh, there's a whole cemetery for it. <laughs> I got a phone call from a bunch of condoms the other night. They said they were looking for some dead sperm to go inside them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say that uh, pineapple makes your sperm taste better. Well, geez, I sure wish it made it come to life because all my sperm is dead. <laughs> I'm never gonna have a kid. <laughs> Bob Hope on a USO tour in Vietnam with all these cheering Marines. He's like, hey, everybody, I can't have kids. All along the watch our place while he's still touring Vietnam. <laughs> so he had affairs starting in the 30s all the way through into the 80s. When he Wait, himself the nineteen eighties, the nineteen eighties or his eighties, both because he was born in nineteen oh three, so he was having. Oh, okay, yeah. The the Killing Joke eighties song is about Bob Hope's affairs going that long. Eighties, <laughs> <laughs> Bob Hope had sex until the eighties. <laughs> Couldn't have a baby. <laughs> so one of I think it was Groucho Marx's grandson wrote a Bob Hope biography. So, um, Groucho Marx's children had to take over for Bob Hope's legacy and help out and be like, here, we'll do it. <laughs> well, Groucho Marx's grandson, I think, wrote a biography of Bob Hope. Um, yeah. And he said that 
because Bob Hope was such a notorious uh, sex man, he said that Bob Hope had sex with more women than Errol Flynn, Chico Marx, and Bing Crosby combined. And I didn't know that Chico Marx was known as like a, a sex man. <laughs> was he the curly hair one? No, that's Chico? Harpo. Chico oh. is the one that does the Italian accent for his whole life. <laughs> Irresistible. <laughs> but Chico, like, I know he was a party animal and he basically partied and gambled all night every night but i never heard about the ladies thing either but no well i did hear like when they were younger they all obviously chased ladies because they were constantly on the road all the time so i guess chico was just like that his whole life but also if you're gambling all night you know at the end of the night there's probably like a cool lady hanging around being like (laughs) (laughs) are you chico and he's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to do his Italian accent because it's like feels uncomfortable. <laughs> wow, that's something else. I mean, how how would you have an affair in your eighties? I mean, so yeah. What what do you like? I don't know if you guys know anyone in your eighty in their eighties, but <laughs> I mean, it's pretty weird to imagine them, you know, sneaking off to a hotel and having, you know, powerful sex with some new lady. It's hey, just, baby, why don't you grab on my saggy butt with liver spots all over it as it goes up and down in between your legs? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not only is my sperm dead, it's very, very dry. <laughs> now, when my penis uh, comes, don't be alarmed. It sounds like a little cough. <laughs> do you mind if uh, my doctor watches us do this? It's 1986, and he's like, you ever had sex with someone who starred in the Pepsodent Comedy Hour? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and like Madonna and like Michael Jackson are on the radio. Isn't Bob Hope in the Truth or Dare Madonna uh, documentary? Wasn't Madonna dating Bob Hope at the time? (laughs) I believe so. Yeah, absolutely. He was in the sex book Madonna put out. (laughs) He's sleeping in an easy chair. In Madonna's sex book, you could see him reclining in an easy chair, taking a break. (laughs) With like slippers on, plaid slippers on. Hey writers, it's me, Bob Hope. I need you to send me some (laughs) I need you to send me some stuff about Madonna right now. I'm trying to get in her pants. So his Bob Hope. Hey Madonna, you said like a virgin uh whatever. I don't even want to fucking do it. Hear about Madonna's new song, Like a Virgin? It's not about me. Because I am addicted to sex. <laughs> um, Bob Hope's agent at one point uh, was quoted as saying, on the subject of his uh, sex life, um, our mission is li- <clears throat> was quoted as saying, our mission in life is to keep all the news about fucking and sucking away from Dolores. <laughs> Wait, is that real? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what his publicist wow. said? Mm-hmm. So she knew. So Dolores, his wife of 69 years, uh, Uh devout Catholic, she was well aware of Bob Hope's, uh, Mm. you know, philandering and and, and fucking... That's not nice. Yeah. But they stayed together. That is not nice. Yeah. 69, Uh. dude! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when when Bob Hope watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as a 90-year-old, he was like, (laughs) Dolores. (laughs) <laughs> that makes me think of Dolores. <laughs> yeah. I miss Dolores. 
69, dude. 69, dude. I like to get those guys all in the same room. Someone turn on uh, some killing joke. I'm feeling horny. Um, so, James, before you asked, like, how does someone, how does someone that old have an affair? Um, so his his last known dalliance was with a woman named Sandy Vinger, uh, who was a <laughs> he was a right she was a writer on his California federal savings commercials in the eighties. <laughs> she was his frequent hey, companion in the eighties, and uh, they they were doing it, and then. Eventually, she nice. brought a breach of contract suit against Bob Hope in 1994 mm-hmm. when he was 91, uh, claiming that he agreed to sort of support her for life and set her up. And then I guess he he didn't. And they settled out of oh. court. Sorry, Mike. She's just a gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Hope's a good guy. I thought you liked me for my red eyes. <laughs> You like my face? It can never break. The doctors made it. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Try to cut my face. (laughs) I'm from England. (laughs) Let's get to Hope and Crosby, the, uh, the 1940s biggest Hollywood team. So... The 1940s were a huge decade for Bob Hope. Uh, He'd already been a huge radio star, but now he had the chance to break into the films. So, in uh, in 1932, Bob Hope had met Bing Crosby uh, at a vaudeville theater in New York City, and they they got along and they did some some singing and dancing together, and they had fun. But then Bing, who was already famous by this point, he was already a big recording artist, Bing went back to uh, Hollywood. Five years later, Bob Hope was done with Broadway. He went out to Hollywood, reconnected with Bing. They started doing some shows, and some agents and producers around town were like, these guys have great chemistry. Uh, Let's put them in a damn movie together. So Hmm. in 1940, the first of their road movies hit the screens. This one was The Road to Singapore, which was the highest grossing film of 1940. Have you ever seen any of these, uh, the road movies, James? I haven't. I've seen, you know, posters and stuff for them, but I've never watched them. Have you? I have never seen uh, so much as an instant of the road movies. They made Were seven there many of them? Of them? Seven. How many yes. of them? Yeah. Seven. I've seen oh, them. Wow. So they were like the hangover of the 1940s. <laughs> I had American some on Pie. DVD a while ago because for old comedy stuff, I would buy, buy it even if I didn't know it just to like watch it and learn what it was like and i always fell asleep but i like i said um they were they were kind of jerks they weren't really likable to be honest they were conniving and mean and they'd punch people and uh (laughs) like start fights with men that they stole their women from so it's like i could see now that we think about it you say it's 1940 uh world war ii is going strong i don't think america was involved yet at that point right uh but still like there's this oppressive uh, thing in the world with like the millet like the wars going on maybe like men just wanted to see like broy dudes rule or something i don't know what that was i wonder i mean they so what i read about them is that they often uh yeah they were two horny guys who were chasing women and like being uh i guess 
committing acts of violence on men. The first movie, apparently, yeah. the plot is that they swear off women. They try and swear off women for good, and it yeah. doesn't doesn't last too long because they're both horny. I guess. Okay, the other perspective on the flip side, you would build, you would like brand them as lovable scoundrels. I guess that's what they're kind of being like. You know what? Like the Redding Crashers guys. Yeah, right. kind of. What they were going yeah, totally. For. Which they're making a sequel to finally. <laughs> After all those years, it'll so, be good. The road movies apparently too. So they're all they're all set in exotic locations for the time. So there's the road to Singapore, the road to Zanzibar, the road to Morocco. Uh, they go to Brazil and Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and they they basically just use those locations to make a lot of racist jokes about like the way the the people in those countries behaved and looked and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, this was the nineteen. It was the nineteen forties. You know, but they the, had a female co-star. In each, that was in each movie with them too. Do you have her name handy? Dorothy Lamour. Yes. Yeah, Dorothy Lamour. So did they? Did Bob Hope have a thing with Dorothy Lamour? Now, like from what I understand, he tended to avoid. She's his, really pretty. She's a very beautiful woman. Uh, he tended <laughs> to avoid getting uh, entangled with his leading ladies, and he went for like mm. oh, chorus yeah, girls and like script assistants who he could you know wield his power over. So I don't think. On the record, at least, he uh, had sex with Dorothy Lamour. Maybe all- Bing did, because Bing was also a big uh, sex guy, too. All God. Bob Hope had to do was lean into a chorus girl wherever he was, give her like a kind of squinty eye and go, dead sperm. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, baby. America's not involved in World War II yet, and I got a big dead dick full of sperm. <laughs> <laughs> So, watching the road movies, uh, like, I like how we all sighed after his big dick full of dead sperm. Uh. Watching the road movies, you'd think that you know Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, they're the big, the, the toast of Hollywood. Everyone loves them. Box office sensations. Mm-hmm. You'd think that these guys, off camera, were were still good friends, but their relationship actually wasn't very good for for most of their career together. I think that this is what I'm talking about. I think. From what I've heard, Bob Hope was... I think they were really competitive with each other. At least Hope was really competitive with Bing, right? They Yes. I think they and this comp- is what pisses me off. Like, okay, so Bob is, again, we're going to ha- beat this to death, but he's not a natural, witty comedian as far as I can see. Maybe people listening to this are getting mad saying he is, but I don't know. He had all the writers and stuff, but Bing was really not a comedian. You know no. what I mean? He was just like a, a singer. and all, It's like... Why couldn't they at least pair Bob Hope up with like a funner sort of silly comedian guy so that the funny would be even better? You know what I mean? So I Bing guess- was like if like Michael Bublé was in movies and stuff. <laughs> Comedies. <laughs> I said Bing is an asshole too. He maybe a subject for another episode, but What yeah. if like yeah, like someone like Michael Bublé or Josh Groban if they were paired with like Joe Rogan or Chris <laughs> Delia in a movie series? I love it. Um, but yeah, off screen, their relationship soured. They were competitive over, I guess, women, showbiz. Bing thought these movies were beneath him. You know, he wanted to be respected as a serious crooner at the time. And he yeah. thought, you know, Bob Hope was dragging him down. Um, they Boy, barely... I really made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> like, they made so many movies. And yeah. he looks like 
uh, clearly they made him a star. I hate it when that happens. And it's like, these movies are beneath me. Like, what the hell? Then don't well, do it. It's like, I guess a decade or two late, a decade later? No, at the same time, maybe. Uh, Martin and Lewis. Because Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis sort of didn't get along uh, off screen either. And Dean Martin thought Jerry Lewis was just like a, a, a damn piece of shit. I think I hope that doesn't happen to us when when the podcast like keeps blowing up. Fuck. Yeah. I think they might have been a decade later. Yeah. I think they're more fifties, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen to us. I'm really competitive with you guys for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I am yeah. definitely above this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I should be doing a classical music podcast <laughs> that's the goal well uh, I'll, yeah well, schubert all of our sperm works so that puts us in a different league from bob Holt, that's a good least. point as far as we hey, know well, <laughs> we know chris's sperm works so i after, got two kids um bob hope take was, that bob hope you little bitch <laughs> fuck you man <laughs> fuck you bob hope son of a bitch get away from my car <laughs> Uh, after Bing Crosby died, Bob Hope was quoted as saying, he was a son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. Wow. He, he was also quoted as saying that, uh, you know, in all the time I knew Bing and his two wives, they never once invited me and Dolores to dinner. <laughs> Damn. Oh, I heard that quote before. What the mm. hell? What's wrong with these alpha dog Hollywood types? Uh, you're not in. That's the ultimate insult. Not yeah. not yeah. being invited with your wife over to dinner with Bing Crosby. Huge, huge insult. He invited I, even David Bowie over, you know, and he didn't invite mm. fucking Bob Hope. Come on. Oh yeah. Is that really his piano there? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> that David Bowie is standing again. <laughs> um, an eighth and final road movie um, was going to be made years later. It was supposed to be called The Road to the Fountain of Youth, and it was planned in 19... for like It was slated to go into production, I think, in 1978, but it never happened because Bing suddenly died in 1977. So we never got to see two men in their 70s re-teaming for a, an outdated style of film. Boy. Aww. I would have loved... The irony, the, you know? Yeah. Irony that Bing died before he filmed this Fountain of Youth movie, and that Bob kept living for so much longer. Yeah, like Bob kept like he he basically lived our current lifespans after, not quite, but you know what I mean. Like after <laughs> this, when he was already really old. Yeah, he just couldn't be killed. Why do you think these two old Islander. men needed to find the Fountain of Youth so much? What could they? What Bang. would they like to do with the young bodies again? Yeah, I wonder what the plot would have been if they, yeah, if they just became young and had full, f- like, penetrative sex on screen. Because <laughs> it was the 70s. Up at all the husbands trying to stop them. You've seen this deep throat thing? Well, me and Bing are getting in on it. Yeah, he begins the pussy posse. <laughs> I tell you, Bing, we need to beat up men and have sex with women again. <laughs> that sounds like a fabulous idea there, Bob. <laughs> now Bing himself a little uh just to go off off track a bit here, Bing himself uh could be the subject of a future episode. 
Uh, he was known to be a mean drunk, um, very devoutly Catholic, though. And in 1983, nice. Bing's son, Gary, published a memoir called Going My Own Way, in which he claimed that Bing was uh, emotionally and physically abusive. He used to say things like, uh, he called me satchel ass and bucket butt because I had a big behind as a child. <laughs> It's hard to imagine Bing Crosby saying that. Hey, bucket butt. Or at least hey, not you. saying it in a mean way. Satchel you ass. Got a satchel ass. <laughs> <laughs> a kid breaks into tears. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Dad. Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> Don't tell me to fuck off. I'm your satchel ass. So there's just just a couple of a holes. Making yeah. these movies, getting old. Be a celebrity, Dad. Pay for me to get a better ass. <laughs> uh, Bing would also beat Satchel ass with whatever weapons were available. A belt, a cane, a plank of wood. Uh, and if one of the boys, uh, say, left their underwear on the floor, Bing would lose it. And he'd make his sons wear the underwear around their neck for the rest of the night, calling it the... Crosby Lavalier. Wow. Ugh. What an asshole. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so in the 1940s, basically, this is when another facet of Bob Hope's career really uh, took off. So as a kid, I knew of Bob Hope as this guy who was always, go- this old man who was going out across the world to perform on army bases for American troops. That began in the 1940s when he started doing USO shows for American troops. He performed uh, for troops from World War II through the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and even into the first Gulf War. <laughs> Damn. Oh, so wow. he was like 89 or 88. So what, yeah, like he was 90 or 89 when his last one. I saw some clips of a 1990 special called like Bob Hope's Christmas from Saudi Arabia when... <laughs> He oh was, my god. He was like 89 years old and it was like him and the Pointer Sisters and um some like a big band and basically you have these like 19 18 19 year old troops who are in the middle of the desert in Saudi Arabia trying to stop like to kick Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait okay. and he's literally yeah. on stage making jokes about the road to Morocco and Charlie <laughs> Chaplin it's just absolutely he looks so Yeah, these guys are probably into like Guns N' Roses and Metallica. <laughs> Nirvana had already released Bleach by this time. <laughs> I got to tell you boys, I'm really uh excited to be here and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for securing all of these uh oil uh oil uh, rigs for uh <laughs> the American people back home. <laughs> <laughs> like the war was just a, literally just going to put fences around oil for America. <laughs> well, so it's interesting because for for Bob Hope in World War II, when America finally decided to get involved, um, he was seen as a hero for traveling to, to like to war zones in Europe, Britain, North Africa, Italy, and entertaining the troops. You know, boosting morale. Uh, you know, as America fought with the Allies against the Nazis and. There were times where he and his troop of performers were almost like bombed by Nazis, uh, you know, the, what was the, uh, the Nazi Air Force or whatever. They, they narrowly <laughs> escaped. 
But by the time of the 1960s, when he was doing USO shows and NBC specials for Vietnam troops, he sort of... (laughs) He was no longer considered a hero by young people because he was adamantly, yeah. like, in he supported the Vietnam War wholeheartedly, yeah. and so hippies he was and young super people, conservative, absolutely, yes, yeah. Whereas Groucho Marx spoke out against the Vietnam War, and suddenly yeah. he had this whole new like influx of young fans and hippies and stuff like that. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. That's interesting. So yeah. Groucho Marx was this like as an old man at that time was anti-war and bob hope was like let's let's do it absolutely huh groucho and the marx brothers comedy was mostly timeless except for how much they are running and chasing women basically (laughs) (laughs) but their comedy was mostly like silly and stuff you know Hmm. yeah and so bob hope so by this time and i guess like a comparing the, the marx brothers they were like you know uh, anti-establishment, you know, always like, you know, po- poking their finger in the eye of authority and stuff like that. Whereas by this time, Bob Hope was the establishment. He couldn't have been more establishment if he tried. He was friends with all the, you know, presidents. He had the ear of Richard Nixon. Uh, Nixon would basically run his plans for Vietnam by Bob Hope. And then Bob Hope would go out and just like, Say how good this was, how great Nixon was, and how great it was that America was, you know, bombing the shit out of Southeast Asia. Yeah, wow. he's friends with Reagan and Nancy Reagan too, right? Yeah, and it's funny because by the '60s he wasn't, let's say, attracting the the top quality, uh, you know, artists for these Vietnam USO tours. No, no bands you've ever heard of or liked from the '60s played at these shows, <laughs> but he did get um, Raquel Welch and Anne Margaret to come and like say hi to the troops with him so it wasn't like Jimi hendrix and the beatles <laughs> you didn't get the beatles <laughs> we support the vietnam war let's hit it boys let it be let it be it's the who yeah no it wasn't both exactly sides, woodstock yeah both sides seem kind of bad <laughs> yeah war is good he was out of touch. He like he did. Yeah, the Beatles' new message. We've changed Beatles. our minds. War is good. <laughs> give, give war a chance. Yes, there's a lot of good things going for war. So yeah, by this time he was yeah pro-war, part of the establishment, buddies with presidents, basically a walking, talking. Uh, like country club because he always performed with his golf club he just sucked and you know um (laughs) there's nothing there's nothing funny about a rich successful comedian who just talks about golf all the time and but even then there was like a split within the soldiers he performed for in vietnam because a lot of them didn't want to be there obviously and by the late 60s early 70s there are there are reports that like soldiers would boo him (laughs) when he was performing for them (laughs) Oh Damn. man, that's, that's wild! Yeah, I would love to yeah. see footage of that. I, I feel like this would be like if you uh, right now, or is he still alive? Like right now, if they sent Kirk Douglas to perform for some Kirk army Douglas guys, is not alive. <laughs> oh, well, but he lived to be was. over like hundred years old. It'd be yeah. like Dick Van Dyke. I think Dick Van Dyke is still okay. Alive. Yeah. Damn. So, I guess by the end of the sixties. 
that was the end of Bob Hope's actual cultural relevance. His his real golden era was like the 30s till the early 60s, and then he sort of undid his legacy, at least with young people. I guess he was popular with like Republicans and Middle Americans, but he, he was no longer as cool as he had once been. And the rest of his career, from the 70s through the 2000s, he basically um, would just appear on TV a few times a year doing these specials. He would do his Christmas specials, maybe Fourth of July specials, and some like, I don't know, Thanksgiving or football themed specials. So we're sort of coming to the end of Bob Hope by now. Is uh, It's the 70s. He's in his 70s. Um, and he had a few big sort of controversial moments before he passed away. In 1970, he hosted the, um, the Miss World pageant. And a group called the Women's Liberation Movement protested the pageant. They saw it as degrading, obviously. And uh, he came out on stage and he made jokes about how like, all the, all the women competing were cows, and he felt like he was in a cattle oh. market and and stuff like that. He, and then, he made this on, joke on stage? On stage at the Royal Albert Hall in London. He made this Jeez. joke in front of the contestants, possibly. And then uh, these women who were from the liberation movement, they were planted in the crowd, and they started booing and protesting, and they threw rotten fruit at Bob Hope and flower-bombed him. They had pieces of paper crinkled up with flour and you can see footage of this on youtube and there's like pandemonium wow. and he's he runs off stage um and he was quoted later as saying <clears throat> you'll notice about the women in liberation movements none of them are pretty because pretty women don't have those problems so he a little out of touch yeah wow damn bob you dink bob you dink i don't know i've seen some pretty women that are also smart yes <laughs> you're like searching for what to say um, i guess bob hope wasn't just yeah <laughs> um in the 80s so we're, we're really getting to the end of his life in the 80s bob hope had a few controversy controversies one of them happened in 1985 so think of this it's a big event. Statue of Liberty is 100 years old. Uh, we've got the Reagans there, his good friends Nancy and Ronald. The French president, Mitterrand, is there because the Statue of Liberty was a gift from France. Uh, he's got his wife, big crowd, and Bob Hope is the MC. He's doing some one-liners. And in the middle of his set, 1985, he says... I just heard that the Statue of Liberty has AIDS, but she doesn't know if she got it from the mouth of the Hudson... Or the Staten Island Ferry. Oh my God, Bob! Who was writing for him? Uh, <laughs> you know, the, Andrew Dice Clay. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So he did that, and then it could like be a Bob Hope joke in a golf and country club locker room. Yes. Yeah. It's Which like is- Bob Hope doing Eddie Murphy raw. <laughs> he was wearing a red leather jacket at the time. <laughs> That's so crazy. And uh, so that caused a bit of a, an outcry. Uh, people accused this 85-year or 82-year-old comedian of being a little out of touch. But the Reagans laughed. They laughed at this AIDS joke because uh, they, they didn't really do much to, uh, to address the AIDS crisis. Um, they and didn't, then, yeah, they didn't care about people at all. Yeah. 
And then in 1988, so he would have been 85, he was on The Tonight Show, uh, and he caused another scene where <laughs> he called a fellow guest on the panel a, quote, fag for wearing a colorful tie. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, where were his writers then? <laughs> that's what happens when he doesn't have use his own writing. Or you <laughs> that's what happens when he doesn't use a writer. It's like yeah. that's 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 what I mean. That's the vibe you get from him. Like you could tell that that's how he would just be yeah. without being witty, you know? So Damn. Johnny Carson that's wasn't happy about this, obviously, but Johnny Carson already was was pretty furious with Bob Hope because Bob Hope was like the grand old dame of NBC. He had sort of an open invitation to walk on to the Tonight Show anytime he wanted, and he really he uh, he overdid it to the point where Johnny Carson got fed up with him. And was like, "Fuck, this guy's always walking on. He can hardly." He comes on with these pre-scripted jokes, and he won't engage in a natural conversation. So it sucks because no matter what I ask him, he just talks about something else. He's from a different era, and the older Bob Hope got, the worse his eyesight and hearing got, and so he wouldn't even, he didn't even know what was happening. (laughs) He would just wander on for the (laughs) night show. Oh my God. Damn. This really reinforces that I I think we just shouldn't hear from people after a certain age. Like when people get to a certain age, they just, we just, other than their family, we just shouldn't hear from them anymore, I think. I don't know, though. I don't know. Like, Rodney Dangerfield was funny up until the end. I think it's like... Mel Brooks. Honestly, I honestly think you could... I honestly think that America was hoodwinked in the 40s and didn't, like, jump on Bob Hope being a dick back then. Like, I think that's more like... It's not just getting old. It's also about, like, a guy being, like, a dickhead all his life and getting away with it. I Mm. think so. Because there were other comedians of his age also i'm saying that because i still want to get old and still get work hopefully (laughs) (laughs) i don't want anyone to tell yeah i don't want 2065 this fall on cbc (laughs) chris Locke. (laughs) beep (laughs) (laughs) the first thing i say is offensive (laughs) you guys have your drink a glass of water today oh my god you know water's been gone for 20 years (laughs) (laughs) you forgot you guys water drinkers? <laughs> Boo. Get Boo. off stage. We, we, yeah. Your generation killed water for us, you old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, kids. <laughs> you guys don't know what's funny anymore. <laughs> it is funny, the idea of the Statue of Liberty getting AIDS. I will stand by that joke till I die. <laughs> <laughs> Does his grave say this guy sucked shit? <laughs> it's a beautiful grave. It just has that. <laughs> um, so just into the 90s here, he's getting frail. His eyesight is failing. Um, he goes to Saudi Arabia, uh, entertains the troops. As you At do in your 93, 90s. He converts to Catholicism. <laughs> Did he? Um, and his yeah. final NBC special was in 1996. It was called Bob Hope, Laughing with the Presidents. That uh, was a fun look back at his uh, life and times and fun uh, experiences working with and poking mm. fun at the presidents from, I believe, like from FDR all the oh. way up to, I guess, Clinton at the time. 
He was very frail. You can see some footage on YouTube. Uh, his co-host, Tony Danza, was there to do some of the, the, the heavy lifting. And if you look at it, you can see Bob Hope at this point. He's sort of a withered, dried up, kind of spectral figure with his red bleeding eyes making a joke like, I, I golfed with George Washington. And Tony Danza's like, <laughs> yeah, that's great, Bob. <laughs> Tony Danza was his co-host in what? 1996? 1996, yes. So it's not even the height of Who's the Boss? No, it's like a decade after Who's the Boss. <laughs> Give me that funny little Italian guy from Taxi. <laughs> yeah. And you mean so, who, yeah. And, That's uh, really great. It's... Uh, yeah, it's one of those things, like you said, there's, or like James said, it's like sometimes you got to stop. His final TV appearance was in a, I sent you this before, uh, James and Chris, a 1997 Kmart commercial directed by Penny Marshall, <laughs> where I guess Kmart opened some sort of big box stores like to compete with Walmart, and uh, Bob Hope at the end of the commercial, he's in a diner, and his waitress goes, anything else, sir? And Bob Hope just goes, big Kmart, ha <laughs> ha, this is big. And yeah, then he, and then he runs away. <laughs> like, why didn't he just stay and order some food? And what does he mean this is big? He's in a little restaurant, so what? It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I don't know what Oh, Penny... I guess because there's a restaurant in the Kmart. That's right. why he's like, this is big. But it, it the fact that we had to, like, stop and Would think... you like to have an affair with me? Yeah. <laughs> to the waitress yeah i was wondering if he if he tried it on with the waitress uh in the kmart commercial <laughs> so 2000s in the year 2003 bob hope yeah passes away surrounded by his loved ones in his toluca lake home at the age of 100 goodbye yeah. rose. in uh Miscellaneous things we didn't get to. The guy loved golf. He hosted the Oscars 19 times between 1940 and 1968. And he regretted that he never won an Oscar, which I find weird because he he just played mm -hmm. like a, a ding-dong in a bunch of like joke yeah. movies. Yeah. Why would he win an Oscar? Yeah. The Oscar for Best Actor goes to Bob Hope for the Muppet movie. <laughs> 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 also something i read a long time ago not to make it too dark but it's mysterious a bunch of his long-lasting flings um like od'd on by suicide drug overdose like after he was not dating them i did see that yeah there was Is like that something we should not bring up though is that too dark and weird well, yeah, there were like five of them I saw that like died of uh, after he had like a hot and heavy start to their relationship. He kind of cooled on them, and uh, oh, James, hey, is back. James is back. I'm back. Sorry about that. Internet and cut now, out. And now the battery on my phone is dying, and my plug is in the kitchen by the kids. Well, let's just let's wrap up, James. You just missed it. Bob Hope died in 2003, yeah. surrounded by his loved ones. Uh, no more Bob Hope. Age age 100. Goodbye. Um, Lucky. He hosted the Oscars 19 times, but he regretted never winning one, which I find strange, you know, like because he, he never played dramatic roles. He was kind of like a, a like a little guy in a joke movie. What are they going to give him an Oscar for? Not best actor. Um, hey, I should get an Oscar. 
You're just saying that just because. <laughs> One of his final film roles was uh, the Muppet movie in 1979 in which he sells ice cream. He plays an ice cream vendor and he sells some ice cream to Fozzie Bear. Hey, Miss Piggy, how serious are you about porking? <laughs> I mean, he got confused and he tried to have sex with Frank Oz and Frank Oz was like, I'm just, I'm just a man operating Miss Piggy. <laughs> yeah, Frank Oz obliged him and gave him a hand job through Miss Piggy's... <laughs> don't tell bob that it's my hand not her this puppet pig puppet's vagina um hey uh fozzy bear do you got a sister (laughs) so yeah he's dead he uh made all those movies uh no one liked him he was mean to his writers (laughs) he uh was a serial cheater on his wife who stood by him and um, what God, else? He what made life. He made two hundred and seventy-two. Think about that woman's life. Yeah, I mean, she Crap. had a whole well, life is like a sham, having to smile while protecting this Mister Good Guy's uh, uh, reputation, while he's just porking everything in sight and treating her with such disrespect. It actually that really makes me incredibly angry. <laughs> well, but the question is: Is Bob Hope evil? You know, is he an evil man? I don't know. He might just be like he that he it might just be that he sucks. But he might not. Well, be I'm going to tell you know. guys a secret about you know the background of this whole podcast. The trick of this podcast is all men eventually are evil. Ultimately, Ooh, right? Interesting, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, what? Even Tom Hanks? Even uh, Paul Rudd? I don't know. I don't know either. We'll find out. <laughs> Do you guys think that Bob Hope went to heaven or hell? I guess that's the big question. I think he's still in purgatory golfing. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Purgatory. Purg. Do you think he's evil, Mike? Is that your opinion? I think he sucks real big. I think he's awful. Sucks for sure. His comedy. Sucks, I mean, I don't want to get you know puritanical about his uh, his private affairs, uh, but uh, I think th- that he uh, his whole Vietnam thing is, is pretty stupid. And uh, yeah, he sucks mm. the big. He sucks the big Bing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the life of Bob Hope. Uh, his dad lived lived far too long. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And that wraps up another fun episode of Evil Men. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 